Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. This week we're talking about communion. Pastor Scott kind of introduced that in our time of confession, talking about how we come to confession because God meets us in this wonderful place with forgiveness and a new life going forward. And so we're going to read some scripture together. This, uh, this scripture is coming to you from Matthew. It's my favorite gospel. Did you guys know that? I bet you did. By the way, my name is Pastor Matt, for those of you I don't know. Chapter 26, reading verses 17 through 28. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you'll see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, my time has come, and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did just as Jesus told them, prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one, Lord? He replied, One of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. Gosh. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it would be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, You have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat, for this is my body. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and God's people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, Thanks be to God. Now we got to kind of put this in context, right? We got to think about what's happening. Does anybody know where they are at this time in this upper room meal? If you know it, shout it out. Good work over here. You get a candy bar as well. They are in Jerusalem. And they've just come in. And typically this would fi- you'd find this scripture somewhere around what week? It rhymes with moly. You guys are doing great. Holy Week, we hear this scripture on Thursday, Monday, Thursday. Well, at least we hear this story, right, about Jesus meeting with his disciples in the upper room and this beautiful, wonderful story about Jesus and his disciples and sharing this communion meal. And he's just come into Jerusalem, right? So there's been the triumphant entry on the giant, mighty steed with all the armies, and nope, he was on a what? He was on a donkey. You guys have got it. And then we've got to think about what's going to be happening after Right after this is when he's taken, tortured, crucified, and dies. That's a lot. This is right in the middle of all those things. See, Jesus is preparing them for what's ahead, right? He's getting them to that next point. He's bringing forgiveness, and he's bringing power and energy. And it's the same with us in this moment. And, and Pastor Scott did such a great job talking about this, where we, where we receive the bread. We put our hands out forward. And, and I've always talked about this, that when I'm teaching about communion, I always think when we come forward for communion and we put our hands out like this, we're offering up the best and the worst of who we are. Lord, this is, this is all I've got to offer. This is all I've got left. 
And yet Jesus, sorry, meets us with his body and blood in that moment of beauty and sacrifice and hurt. I also love to think about this moment where we come forward in communion like the, uh, like the moment where Doubting Thomas. You remember Doubting Thomas, right? And right after the resurrection, he's like, I don't know, unless I get to see him and touch him, then I just don't know. And as he comes forward, he meets Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. I love the idea that when we come forward for communion, instead of, instead of saying thank you, don't say thank you. You don't have to say thank you. I didn't give it to you. Unless you're saying thank you, Lord, which is good. Or you could say amen when you receive the bread. My mama brought me up right. You always say thank you when somebody gives you something, right? But what if we said, because we're meeting the risen Lord and touching, just like doubting Thomas, we said, my Lord and my God. Mm. There's power in this moment taking in the bread, taking in the wine, having Jesus meet us in a whole new way. It makes me remember, and this is probably a little bit weird, but you know, I'm weird, so you get what you get. But it makes me remember health class. As a matter of fact, and my my wife Melody was telling me about, uh, do you remember Slim Goodbody on Captain Kangaroo? And he wore that super weird bodysuit that was just disgusting looking. Google this later, and you'll be like, that's why Pastor Matt did not put the picture on the screen. (laughs) But he talked about what you are, what you eat, right? He talked about the food that you take in becomes part of you. It's science. It's just part of the way it works. You know, you you eat bread, and it becomes part of your, your blood and your cells and your body. And then as it leaves your body, it leaves forth in energy and water. When sugar and bread breaks down, it comes forth from us in breath and life and energy. It's what gives us the energy to live, right? That bread. So we know that Jesus is here too. It's like in this meal, we know that Jesus is here in this meal because Jesus said Jesus would be here in this meal. And that really matters because then when we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we know that that bread is not just bread that's becoming part of who we are. It's not just becoming a part of our blood and in our bones and in our bodies, but it's Jesus That's a part of us. And that's incredibly good news. And I love the science about it. Every time I talk about communion, i got to talk about the science of it because sometimes I think we're so far away from God and we want to touch God. And we say, Jesus, you're here in this. And as we eat it, it becomes part of us. So we don't have to wonder. We don't have to wonder. Because Jesus said, I'll be there with you, in you. And that gives us energy to really live. Now think about this for a second. Think about what the disciples are about ready to experience. They've been walking with Jesus for three years or so, right? They've gotten to know who he is. They've seen all the incredible miracles. They've seen all the good. They've seen the frustrating. They've even gotten frustrated with one another. They've had weird conversations about who's the greatest. They've been in a giant field of people where they had nothing to eat, and yet Jesus made them plenty and, and brought abundance. And they've seen people been raised from the dead. They've seen those healed. They've seen incredible things happen over and over and over again. They've seen all this. And what they're about to see is got to be one of the most difficult, frustrating, and painful things you could ever watch your best friend. I mean, they left everything. Some of them came from, like, potentially a, a sort of a well-do fishing family, and they dropped everything and turned away from all their inheritance to follow this guy. And now he's standing there being beaten and tortured. And now he's standing there being crowned a king 
And he's taken on the cross, crucified, right before them. This is going to be a huge obstacle to overcome. How are they going to live past what they're about to see? I think that's why Jesus pulls them in close, brings them into this meal, gives them a whole new understanding about how he's going to be with them through all this. I've told you about this before, but... um, it's one of my favorite things that we do at, at camp. Y'all know I'm a camp guy, right? Camp, everybody, woo! Love camp. Camp's a great, great place. They have what's called a group interaction course at, uh, at Lutheridge, where I love to go, and it's got this huge wall. Has anybody, any camper or person that's ever been to Lutheridge or anybody ever gone on, on one of these giant walls? It's like usually like 10 or 12 feet tall, and you got to figure out how to get a whole group up and over. Anybody ever done that? Say yeah. Yeah, it's just this incredible thing. Now, as you come up to the wall, you got to make sure everybody's always it, spotters ready, right? So everybody put your hands up to be spotters for us, right? Now, come on, two hands. It's all right, Lutherans. It won't break, all right? So you got your hands up, spotters ready. All right, put them down now. It's a really, really important thing because you don't want anybody to fall down on you. You got you to really work well. Instead, of, you don't interlock your fingers when you're trying to push somebody's foot up, right? Because you could break your fingers. So you smack your hands together like this, right? So that way you won't break any fingers as you help them up. But these are all really, really important things. But there's one part that's really, really super duper important. I need a volunteer. I have a volunteer? I need a volunteer. Yes. All right, young lady, come on up if you would. All right, and tell me, uh, tell me your name. Everybody say, good morning, Madison. All right, so one of the most important parts, come up here, Madison, right here, that's perfect. One of the most important parts, Madison, you're so awesome. Thank you so much for being here this morning. All right, this is going to be really easy, don't worry. All right, the most important part of getting somebody up and over the wall is actually how you grab their hands, right? So grab my hand, but just grab my hand like we shook hands earlier, okay? All right, so everybody see this right here? Now, if one of us lets go, I've told you this before, but I love this, so I want this to stick in your heads. If she lets go, let go. I barely have have a handle on her, right? All right, now let's try it again. Now I'm going to let go. You try to keep a hold of me. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, couldn't do it. All right, but the most important part of getting over this wall is actually grabbing on to the other person's wrist. So grab onto my wrist. Now see what happens here. Can everybody see this? See it over here? See it over here? All right, now, we're going to do this all together. I know you don't like touching people, and that's fine, so find somebody you like, and grab their wrist like this and let them grab yours. Ready, set, go. All right, now, one of you, pick one of you right now that's going to let go. All right, one of you is going to let go, but the other one's going to hold on. I'm going to let go, but Madison, you're going to hold on to me as tight as, you, as tight as you can. Are you guys ready? All right, the one person lets go. Oh, but you see, now some of you cheated, Madison, you still got a hold of me? But I let go. Are you still holding on? So what, what happens? Can, can you keep me safe? See, even when I let go, y'all give it up for Madison. You can go to your seats for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, the most important part of getting over that obstacle is the hold. It's the hold. It's that moment of being here in this. And I think that's one of the helpful places as we understand what communion is really all about. We get an understanding that this is the hold. See, sometimes we're going to fall away, right? Sometimes we're going to make that terrible decision or we're going to decide that we got to figure it out on our own or we're going to go off in this direction that God certainly doesn't want us to go and we knew it before we went. But as soon as we start to get too far away, we remember that God has a hold still. We stop holding on. But God doesn't. 
our sinful selves, we tend to let go, but God doesn't. God has the hold. Everybody say, somebody next to you, God has the hold. Maybe the best way that I see this kind of thing is around this table, you know? Got family and friends. I'm just setting the table. Some silverware, some placemats. I, I, I learned that this is called a succulent. I didn't know that. I never would have called it that. I think it's a cactus, but cool. <laughs> Whatever. But one of the best ways to see what the hold looks like and what really is happening in this meal is around the table with family and friends. Like right here, the seat of the table, is Jason. Jason's awesome. He's been my neighbor now for like three or four years. He's just a great guy. He's always there. He's got chickens, and he'll give me the chicken eggs, which is fantastic. So, so like if I need a cup of sugar, I can get some eggs too, because he's got chickens. And I remember calling him one time, it was really late at night, and I had a huge backup in my kitchen. I was like, hey, man, can I borrow your industrial auger to get it out? And he was like, yeah, come on over. And I went over to get it, and instead of just giving me the auger, he came over at midnight, at midnight, and helped me clear my drain. That's Jason. He's always there. He's always willing to help. He'd give me the shirt off his back if I ask him for it. Or around my table, Sherry. Sherry's my mother-in-law. Boy, I tell you, I just, I love her to death. She's amazing. Midwesterner, cooks better than any Southerner. I don't understand what happened to her, but she's an incredible Southern cook. Always just makes the greatest food. Always makes sure that I'm fed, right? Anytime I come to the house, the first question is, what is it? Are you hungry? You got that person in your family? You look like you need to eat. No, I don't. <laughs> but I'll eat the sweetest thing, full of energy, nonstop. She's always got my back. She's always there. And then there's Chris, my high school buddy. I remember Chris, he was always kind of a wild card. You ever had a friend that was a wild card? You never quite knew what they were going to do or say in any given situation? That was Chris. But Chris always had my back, no matter what. That one day when I accidentally bumped into Justin in the hallway, I knocked his backpack off his back, I didn't mean to, I wasn't looking, and he turned around and grabbed me up by the shirt and told me that we were going to fight at the Tenneco just down the street <clears throat> after school. Unfortunately, everybody else heard that, and so I had to go meet Justin at the Tenneco after school. And as I got out of the car, walking up to Justin, out of nowhere, like a freaking flying squirrel, comes Chris and just decks him and takes him out before he can even get a shot at me. It was the most amazing thing you had ever seen. Chris, he always had my back. He was always there. <laughs> Anybody got a Chris in their life? <laughs> and then there's this spot. Jared. He's my best buddy. Always there for me. Always good to me. Except for something happened in his life that hurt him. And all of a sudden, his hurt became everybody else's hurt. And Jared wasn't kind to me anymore. He used sarcasm all the time when he would talk to me. And I know even right now, he's the one that's taunting me online. <laughs> <laughs> 
sending me emails that shouldn't be, plotting against me, trying to raise people up against me. For what reason? I have no idea. And he was good to me. And I happen to think this is a lot like what Jesus experienced at that table. His closest friends, his closest allies, the people that he trusted, the people that he loved. I think back on that scripture, and here's Jesus sitting with his friend. Here's Peter. <laughs> Peter's the rock. Everybody say the rock. Oh, not that smell what the rock is cooking guy, but a different one. And Peter's awesome. Peter's the guy that's always blurting out stuff, right? He's the one that's willing to, like, jump off in the water and go swim to Jesus. He's the one that's willing to stand up and, and try to knock somebody out when they come for him in the garden. He's the one that's always there for Jesus, so much so that when Jesus first meets him, he calls him the rock. He says, on you I will build my church. Peter was always there for him. Always there for him. And then... Then he got Simon, and Simon was so, such a zealot. He was so full of passion and energy, and he just despised Rome. He absolutely hated Rome, and it was such a great part of Jesus' life, I'm sure, because he could speak some sense into him when Jesus maybe started to get out of the side of the line. Simon would be like, no, Jesus, we got to remember who we are and exactly what we came here to do. He was probably a great ally for Jesus all the way through Simon. So much passion, so much energy. And then there's John. It's like his brother James. Always there. They were willing to walk away from probably a really, really great inheritance to follow Jesus. He called them at one point the sons of thunder. What in the world does that even mean? Well, what an awesome name that is. It's in scripture. <laughs> the sons of thunder. He was close. He was so close to Jesus. He was in that inner circle with Jesus. Top three even. Hmm. Always there for him. Always had his back. And then there's Judas. He kept the purse, right? He kept the treasury for the disciples, which meant that, you know, if they arrived in a town and they needed a place to stay, Judas would make sure that he had allocated enough so that they would have a place to stay. That he had allocated enough for them to have what they needed to eat. I mean, Judas did an incredible job for years to make sure that Jesus had everything that he needed at every single turn. Judas was there. He managed everything for years. He was always there. Always had Jesus back. Except Peter denied Jesus three times. Except Simon, who ran away. Except for John, who at the first sign of everything going wrong, took off running. And Judas. We all know his story, don't we? Plotting against Jesus. And I start thinking, 
Which one am I? Am I Jesus Rock? Am I the one full of passion? Am I in Jesus' inner circle? Am I the one that makes sure that we got everything where it needs to be? Or am I the one that denies him, who runs away, who even plots against him? The truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, we're all of them. The thing is, though, we all belong around the table. And that's the part that I just can't get over. We're all welcome around the table. Jesus holds on to us, even to us, doesn't he? When we deny him, when we run away, when we say we want nothing to do with him, when we think our work is more important than our faith, when we walk away from the things that God has given us and take them for granted, when we turn in on ourselves to think that we're the ones to where it all comes from, Jesus holds on. So imagine this table sitting around with your closest friends. And Jesus is the all-knowing creator God made manifest in the flesh. So that means that Jesus knows what's going to happen. So as he sits around the table with each and every one of these people who's been his closest friends the whole time, this, in this moment right here, he knows exactly what they're going to do. He knows that they're going to run away. So they don't belong at the table at all. They shouldn't be welcome at the table. And in the scripture, Jesus even brings up the betrayal and throws it right out for them. But here's the good news. Jesus still feeds them. Jesus still has the hold. Jesus made us part of the family. We're Jesus' closest friends. But yet we all run away. Brothers and sisters, we don't belong at the table. We shouldn't be welcome there at all. But even at our worst, Jesus doesn't kick us out of the room. Even at our worst, Jesus doesn't make us leave the table. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't even leave the table. When he could get up and say, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with all of you. Even though there's one plotting and this one's going to run away and that one's going to run away and this one's going to deny him three times, Jesus doesn't kick any of them out of the room. Doesn't kick any one of us out of the room. As a matter of fact, flips it all upside down and says, you and you and you and you and you are welcome. This is even for you. He breaks the bread and hands it to each one of them just as they break his heart. He breaks the bread. Even as they break his body, he breaks the bread. Even as they leave him behind for their own self-interest, Jesus ah, holds on. Brothers and sisters, just as we break his heart, Jesus breaks the bread. Just as we break our promises, Jesus breaks the bread. Even as we leave him behind for our own self-interest, Jesus says, this is my body. Body, and it's given for you and 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 for you for the forgiveness of sin even for you somebody say amen because Jesus still has the hope pray with me if you would good and gracious God we give you thanks holding on even as our strength fails when the rubber hits the road Lord we take off running we deny you 
we turn in on ourselves. We turn away from all the great gifts in our lives. We make it seem like we created all this when it's all a gift from you. Lord, I hope you got a lot of energy. <laughs> and we ask, Lord, that you'll keep holding on even when we can't. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children say, Judas. We all know his story, don't we? Plotting against Jesus. And I started thinking, which one am I? Am I Jesus Rock? Am I the one full of passion? Am I in Jesus' inner circle? Am I the one that makes sure that we got everything where it needs to be? Or am I the one that denies him, who runs away, who even plots against him? The truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, we're all of them. The thing is, though, we all belong around the table. And that's the part that I just can't get over. We're all welcome around the table. Jesus holds on to us even to us, doesn't he? When we deny him, when we run away, when we say we want nothing to do with him, when we think our work is more important than our faith, when we walk away from the things that God has given us and take them for granted, when we turn in on ourselves to think that we're the ones to where it all comes from, Jesus holds on. So imagine this table sitting around with your closest friends. And Jesus is the all-knowing creator God made manifest in the flesh. So that means that Jesus knows what's going to happen. So as he sits around the table with each and every one of these people who's been his closest friends the whole time, this, in this moment right here, he knows exactly what they're going to do. He knows that they're going to run away. So they don't belong at the table at all. They shouldn't be welcome at the table. And in the scripture, Jesus even brings up the betrayal and throws it right out for them. But here's the good news. Jesus still feeds them. Jesus still has the hold. Jesus made us part of the family. We're Jesus' closest friends. But yet we all run away. Brothers and sisters, we don't belong at the table. We shouldn't be welcome there at all. But even at our worst, Jesus doesn't kick us out of the room. Even at our worst, Jesus doesn't make us leave the table. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't even leave the table. When he could get up and say, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with all of you. Even though there's one plotting, and this one's going to run away, and that one's going to run away, and this one's going to deny him three times, Jesus doesn't kick any of them out of the room, doesn't kick any one of us out of the room. As a matter of fact, flips it all upside down and says, you, and you, and you, and you, and you are welcome. This is is even for you. He breaks the bread and hands it to each one of them just as they break his heart. He breaks the bread even as they break his body. He breaks the bread even as they leave him behind for their own self-interest. Jesus ah, 
holds on. Brothers and sisters, just as we break his heart, Jesus breaks the bread. Just as we break our promises, Jesus breaks the bread. Even as we leave him behind for our own self-interest, Jesus says, this is my body, and it's given for you, and 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 for you, for the forgiveness of sin, even for you. Somebody say amen. Because Jesus still has the hope. Pray with me if you would. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for holding on. Even as our strength fails, when the rubber hits the road, Lord, we take off running. We deny you. We turn in on ourselves. We turn away from all the great gifts in our lives. We make it seem like we created all this when it's all a gift from you. Lord, I hope you got a lot of energy. (laughs) And we ask, Lord, that you'll keep holding on even when we can't. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's children say, Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.